Hello everybody and welcome to the 24th episode of the Kent Non League podcast. It's been just over five months since we started this and we're still going strong unbelievably. Although this seems like probably the most laboured intro we've had yet. I'm blaming the crash diet. Anyway, I'm John Phipps as always and as always on the line now is Matt Gerrard. How are you Matt? Have you got any stories that can liven up the start of this week's show for me? Um, have I got any stories? No, I not. It's, just, it's that time of the year. It's just, you know, depressing, isn't it? Like my, my birthday's in July, so I've got nothing to look forward to. And weather's rubbish. got no money. So I listen to the pod. That will cheer you up. There you go. Is that, that going to boost it? Probably not, is it? No, probably not. But I suppose at least there's lots of football on at the moment. And we've not been hit too badly by postponements, really, so far, have we? No, no. It got a bit colder in the middle of December, but... January, it just rains a lot, doesn't it? But the, the weather hasn't—we haven't had. I'm sure by the end of the month we'll have another freeze. If you look at America, weather in America—that's getting a bit crazy, doesn't that? And all we eventually come and hit us. So uh, I'm sure we'll get some bad weather at the end of the month. But you know, pitches are holding up too far. But we're not talking about pitches. We've got fed up talking about that. Oh, we certainly have, especially the ones of the of the three G variety. But um, funnily enough, we have got a, a good show lined up for you today. I promise, and uh, we have got an interview which does mention three G pitches, but there's a lot more to it. Um, you'll be hearing from Ashford United manager Jason Whitmore later on, and it is really worth listening to. Actually, we wanted to get Jason on the show for a while, and, and I'm glad we finally have managed it. Ashford are doing well, and you'll hear from him in a bit. But we should start with a big Kent derby that took place on Tuesday night. Before the game, Maidstone boss Jay Saunders was sort of playing down and he thought that they were big rivals. But there's no doubt that come 10pm on Tuesday night, he would have been very disappointed after the Stones' winless one was extended. Jack Powell scoring both the goals for Ipswich United. It's a derby double for Fleet. They're 10th in the table, just three points outside the playoffs. We've spoken before about their potential and they've already been splashing the cash this month. Fullback Laurie Wilson, who absolutely no one will care, shares my birthday, has joined from Port Vale and he's set to be followed by James Alabi, who's been on loan at Dover. We'll talk about him in a minute, but first, FC are going to be thrilled with that win, aren't they, Matt? I think it's a, a good win for them. I mean, they lost at the weekend, of course, but a bounce back from that, you know, probably finally gives the ghost over the playoff final a couple of years ago and keeps Epstein in the hunt. I still think that Epstein are. Uh, going to be thereabouts. Laurie Wilson is a good signing. People I know from Charlton said he was a very good player, very good player for Stevenage. So I think it probably allows them to change the formation a bit. Magri will probably play more of a central defence. They go three at the back. Just allows it to work it in. A good, experienced player. Um, yeah, good signing for them. Good signing from that point of view. Looking at the league table, as you mentioned there, they're three points outside the playoffs. Um, been a little bit inconsistent, but I still feel, you know, I'm, I felt they could spend money to bring players in. And that will be the case. They need a bit, a bit of consistency behind them again, because uh, again, losing at home Chester with a shocking goal. They conceded what they saw on the television. But yeah, I think, well, from that point of view, Maystone looking a little bit, you know, not really, nothing really working out for them. Because at one stage, I think they could have gone second with their games in hand, but now they're, you know, it's constant middle, mid table, seven points off the playoffs. They are. It's been a, a really difficult couple of months for Maidstone, really, because I remember, you know, when they were building up to the FA Cup tie against MK Dons at the start of December, everything was looking pretty rosy for Maidstone. But now all of a sudden, it's just sort of hit a bit of a stumbling block. They've, they've lost a few players. Obviously, Hines has moved up to to Chesterfield to go back into the league. And there was a bit of an odd war of words between Zavon Hines and Jay Saunders as well, which I found a little bit peculiar. But Maidstone have got to, have got to be looking at and picking up. And, and we'll obviously discuss the FA Trophy wider in a minute. But I would say that they've got to win that game just to get some confidence back in them. Yeah, well, I think we'll talk about that later. It's a big game for them against Tavish Swifts. Um, yeah, okay. Obviously, the key thing they've got to manage, Maystone, maybe to the uh, end of this month, is keeping hold of Joe Piggott. 
highs and lows. They probably can't play on the same side. They brought Osai in from Oldham. I don't really know much about him, but uh, again, another sort of a wide player. Um, they've got Piggott and Sam York as the strikers, but if they can keep hold of Piggott, that's probably going to be their best thing they can, uh, that's going to be key for them. But they've had a few injury problems as well, uh, with, with um, Alex Finney being out when he was injured against Dover. That hasn't really affected them, but they're, yeah, it's just, it's just not really working out for the moment. 13th place. We spoke to Terry Casey last year. Again, I think they're just quite happy staying in this division. But, you know, in November, you're thinking, you know, I was thinking to myself, maybe Dover was very made to stay at Christmas. It could be top two. And unfortunately for our Kent side, since November, it hasn't really worked out for them. Maybe Epsley have got a little bit of form, but again, I think they could have done a little bit better as well. Yeah, and and what of James Alavi then? I mean, you were frustrated by some of his performance for the Whites. And, I guess Darren McMahon will be hoping he can get the Chester striker rather than the one that's been found a bit, a little bit tougher at Tranmere and Dover. And straight away, I've seen Darren McMahon spoke to the Kent Messenger last night and said, you know, I see him as a number nine. He's going to play through the middle for me and hopefully he can find that form again. And Epsley will want him to find that form, won't they? Oh, I'm sure he'll score goals for them. Dover played him wide on the right, which wasn't his game because you have to track back from those sort of positions from that point of view. We one of the main players over at Mississippi. He's Ricky Modest. He was brilliant at that. Bombing forward down the right-hand side. And Alaba, he lasted 60 minutes. I think he started the first seven games he's been at the club and the next eight he's been on the bench. Clearly, he wasn't trusted because there's been times that Dover have been chased in the game, 2-0 down, both against Maystone and Bromley, and he hasn't brought him on. So, I know he wasn't particularly happy about that, but he will play down the centre. He didn't pull up any trees at Dover, but, you know, he scored goals at this level before. Um, Sure, he'll go. He can't play at the weekend because he's cup tied for Dover against Eastbourne. Um, am I disappointed to see him go? Um, depends if Dover can replace a striker, replace him with a striker. I think they need a couple. Uh, but it's a disappointment because Dover chased him all summer, all summer. And then they, when he went to Tranmere, then they chased him again. It just hasn't worked out. Chris Kinnear clearly didn't trust him from that point of view. And you have to be a player that 100% trusted from that point of view. And will David be disappointed to see him go? Probably not, but I'm sure he'll score goals for Ebsley. That could be the missing piece to get him in the playoffs. If he hits form, because he's a striker who scores in batches. He doesn't. He's not a, you know, he scores in three games in a row, four games in a row, and then he might miss a few. But Ebsley can um, tailor that, get him working out with Kedwell. Kedwell learning, learning off Kedwell. They've got a good, they've got a good player because he's really done his level. It just it hasn't worked out. Tranmere clearly hasn't worked out at Dover. No, and changes off the field as well at Ebsley as Peter Varney's moved on from his role as vice-chairman after almost five years. I mean, he's been a bit, a bit outspoken at times, especially recently on 3G pitches, but he's under, he's been a steady figure there at Stonebridge Road, hasn't he? Well, he's got a very experienced then when he was at Charm for many years when they were in the Premier League, so he knows how the workings of football clubs work. Um, yeah, he's moved on. It's interesting to see that Dean Pooley's taken on the position there, a bit like the... Bayern Munich model here, so they've absolutely uh, taken on with the players from old players come in and take positions, which I think is good to see, really. Uh, clearly, Dean Pooley's worked on the main stand, highly rated there, 33. It's a very good role for a man who's uh, clearly going in the right direction and he knows how the club's working as well, which is uh, quite good to see. And good luck to him. And I don't know, there was rumours that Peter Varney might go back to Charlton because they've maybe getting taken over. I don't know how true that is, but um, he's done a good job for Epsley and They'll move on and good luck to Dean Pooley in his role. 
Yeah, and mentioning Ebbs Fleet United and Bayern Munich in the same breath is brilliant for search engine optimization as well. So uh, some good uh, journalism skills there, Matt. I'm, I'm quite impressed with that. And I'll be tweeting the words Bayern Munich later on at some point, I would imagine. <laughs> um, at the weekend, it didn't really go too well for our National League teams. As you've already heard, Ebbs Fleet lost to Chester. Bromley also lost at home to Fylde and, and Dover as well. They lost late on against Aldershot. Maidstone drew 4-4 at Woking. So at least one of our four teams got a point. But we, we will... I know we talk a lot about Dover, but what's gone wrong at Crabble? Saturday was frustrating. Uh, all the shot, everybody knows, keep, like to keep the ball. Dover kept him at arm's length, didn't create many chances. They scored half time. Mitch Walker had been, he's had a brilliant season for Dover. And when I look back at the commentary of the game on Saturday, Cross came in and said, oh, good claim by Mitch Walker. The next thing, he's dropped the ball straight at um, Kellerman and he's put the ball in the back of the net. You could see Mitch Walker. He is a confident goalkeeper, a confidence goalkeeper. If you know, if you see where I'm going from here, when he was in, um, before, he, he was competing for a position, and you could see his confidence went. And, and first time this season, when he dropped that ball, his confidence went. His kicking went. Uh, he wasn't claiming the ball in the air. They ever got back and touch, and probably should have got in front. They had numerous chances. But again, sucker punch again. All shot on the counter attack. Kabamba. Um, it was the order shot. Uh, radio quote slight singing the song la, 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 Kabamba every time he touched the ball he got a game Walker dropped the ball and gone in the back of the net frustrating for David because they deserve something from the game but it's need to get back on the horse now sixth place ten points off the top it probably I would probably say unless they can string together five or four or five wins on the spin the, the title's probably gone and they're playing for playoffs and the next game they've got his Bournemouth Bournemouth always beat David so it's a really big game now now they need to get back on it. Hopefully, they're going to bring a couple of players in. Um, but yeah, just to get back on the horse. Just Chris Kinnear doesn't change his side very much, which is also an issue as well because they've got players who six or so players who played every single game, and you see other teams change the team around. And maybe he needs to be a little bit more proactive from those things by maybe resting a few players. No, no names, no pack drills on that. But I think um, yeah, just need to get back on the horse. Bournemouth's probably a good place to go because nobody expects to win there, but it's going to be tough. But yeah, disappointing. Is it a squad depth issue that means he, he tends to stick with the same players? I know he, he likes a certain sort, sort of player, and, and I guess Alaba, you've already talked about, found that a little bit. But has he got the players on the bench you think could come into that starting eleven and give it the necessary boost that it needs at the moment when they're a bit out of form? No, because he doesn't trust half the bench either. That's another thing as well. He brings players in. That's a criticism of Chris, and he's got some good players in this season, but. He does bring players in um, just to make the bench, and you're never likely to play. So, you know, Adebowale, Essamon, Aziz Dean Conte being involved, but you can't really see them, you know, pushing for a first team place. So, Kane Richards came into the game last week. He did all right for half an hour, but again, does he really trust him for the full 90? I don't think. They've missed Allen, they've missed Toby Shosil. But if they were fit, Shosil may get back before the end of the season. Highly unlikely, Allen, it could make a difference. Yeah. I think a couple of fresh faces who can who he can trust would go down quite well because you, know, you look at the bench and it's the same old changes because he doesn't trust the rest of the bench really. And when you got Louis Vizakli on there, no problem with Vizakli, good good player, but he's not going to change the game coming on from the bench. And he's one of the one of the subs he does trust. Um, this weekend, all four of our National League teams are in FA Trophy action. After last week's results, I don't want to get our hopes up, but with Fleet against Warrington, Dover against Marine and Maidstone against Hayward Swifts, all at home to lower league opposition, we should be getting teams through to the last 16. Bromley, tougher one for them. Away at Blythe Spartans, a, a team with a lot of cup history, I suppose, um, Blythe Spartans. And they've got 
quite high hopes for the future. I think I read an interview with them with someone from the club a few weeks ago. So I don't think that's an an easy tie for uh, for Bromley that one up at Blythe. But the other three, I'd like to think, are going to get through. I think the, the trophy is a big competition for Maidstone and, and Dover and Fleet as well. Of course, they've already been to Wembley. Um, and again, it will be a priority for them. But I think for Maidstone and Dover, it's absolutely crucial they can get something from this game. Again, defeat, your confidence is down, you're out of the trophy, you're concentrating on the league. Uh, but again, the trophy is something I think they both should try and go for. Absolutely as well. I think they should all try and get through it. It's difficult. Habry Swiss, remember, by a good friend, Jody Brown. He's done a decent job, good cup run this season. Mason haven't been good at home. You know about that. All the pressure is going to be on Mason there. They, they should have enough to get past Habry Swiss. But if they don't, they'll be sort of discontent. And a bit like David, Marine, I'll be pulling up trees in, in a unibond, but they're good away from home. And they're going to bring a few supporters down. It's going to be a bit of a, you know, it's a banana skin there. Marine going front, David's confidence could go and we go from that point of view. You know, I don't know, we, we picked up the Vars, didn't we? Saying, oh, X amount of sides will get through. I don't want to tempt fate on this because Bromley are going to Blythe as well. Blythe are, are doing pretty well, fit in the, uh, in, the, in, the in the conference north. They haven't drawn a game all season, but they score goals, got some good players in there. Cut pedigree, couldn't get much better than them over the years. So, yeah, it's, it's a banana skin for all of our sides, really. Um, I'm just hoping that this, when we record the pod next week, we've still got some in the hat because for Maystone and Dover, I think the trophy can be a really good competition if they can avoid some of the big guns which have gone out. They can go far into the far, far into it. Yeah, well, let's hope so. And, and extra points for using the word unibonds to describe the Northern League, which I think hasn't been for several years, but uh, I, I enjoyed it anyway. What so. is it now, then? What is it now? Is it about, about Evo the stick. It's the same one as the Southern Evo League. Evo stick. So, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would love to. I'll have to check out later on when it was last called the Unibond League, but that's a, a good reference, and I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, internationally, oh, the clues are available. <laughs> they are indeed. Evo Stick being one of them, I think, isn't it? But there you go. Um, <laughs> and moving on to National League South, Dartford are still top, but only on goal difference from having a Waterlooville, who won one of their games in hand on Tuesday night. They still have one more game in hand too, so the Darts are under pressure, but they can get rid of that game in hand because they play Haven at Waterlooville on Saturday at Prince's Park. Um, that's going to be an absolutely cracking game, that one. I've literally found out in the last hour that I'm going to be there on Saturday to see that one and, and I'm really looking forward to it. A real test of, of Dartford because Haven at Waterlooville have come up and they they look the real deal, don't they? Uh, the manager, Lee Bradbury, has done a good job there. They got it and they bounced back and they there's an article in the in the non saying about it, and he thinks they're overachieving. But to be fair to them, they've got people like Matt Tubbs in the side, um, Guy Lewis, Theo Lewis, who spent some money on. So they've got some decent players, I think. So uh, yeah, they've done really well. What a top of the table clash there. Their records are pretty much very similar. Goal differences are pretty similar, and that's a test for Dartford. There haven't. Oh, Will they get in the National League? Again, Dartford put down a mark. Or put, that give them a nice gap because they lose that and haven't got a game in hand. You're thinking that then Dartford are looking at their opposition. But that's going to be a really good game from that point of view. And it should be a decent crowd there because I'm, I'm sure haven't um, will bring, bring a few supporters. I think haven't won last night, didn't they? 3-2, I think it was against Oxford. They supported Wednesday. So they're in decent form. So that should be a, a good game. Yeah, very much so. I'd say I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a... A really interesting one, and, and haven't have got that momentum. And obviously, they were relegated uh, the day that Margate stayed up on goals scored or goal difference, or whichever one it was, 
and they haven't have just bounced back so well. You know, to it's, it's almost been a blessing in disguise for them to be relegated because look at where they are now, and you know they've got a nice compact little ground. They've got a bad catchment area. I mean, I know they're not far from Portsmouth, but there's not a lot of other teams around them. They've got an experienced local manager, and I think people like to get behind them and. and you know, they you say they'll bring some people that, that I think there's some good people behind the scenes at the club as well. And that will be a real test for Dartford. But Dartford, with their form, the way they've been playing, I know they drew it the weekend at Concord. But Dartford shouldn't be fearing anyone in this league because when I've been, when I've seen Dartford play, as I have done oh, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, they believe they can win this league. They think they will win this league. So they've got to just focus on themselves on Saturday more than anything, haven't they? Yeah, again, they're in pole position at the moment, um, Dartford. So the key thing for them is to make sure they stay there in that position. They're scoring goals, which has always been a criticism of mine over the last few years. But I think it'll be a very open game, so I'm expecting you to see a few goals in that game. But Dartford just needs to show the form they've shown all season, put down a marker. Look, we're going to win this league, haven't Not you. There you go. Again, it's great about the, the National League South. And it's so tight at the top. Every week you can have a aside playing each other were very close together so you always got to be on your toes when you play in this division and Dartford's chance now against having to put you know put down a further marker the likes of uh, Pavey will he come back into the side come off the bench scored again from that point of view he's got abundance of riches as well Tony Berman but it'd be interesting to see what side he, uh, he, he picks and which is what I would be their biggest game of the season so far definitely and uh, talking quickly about Welling lots of changes there off the pitch budget cut assistant manager left um, some players are made available to leave. Other players have come in, including fleet goalkeeper Jonathan Miles, who's the next one to have a crack. Whatever's gone on, anyway, it worked because they ended their two-month winless run, three uh, 0 win over Eastbourne Borough. Obviously, never, never good to see people leaving the club. But Jamie Cole ultimately on Saturday night would have been a, a pretty happy man, wouldn't he? Is, it, is John Miles? Has he left Epsley? Is he to go there, or is he um, on loan? I think he's gone on loan. He yeah, they've got. You know, they, they can use the. Um, contacts they have at Maidstone as well don't they to bring players in yeah again well in they haven't got a game this week I don't think they have have they but um, again they'll be disappointed about that because you know the disappointing run they had they just you know easily beat Eastbourne um, Remain looks in good form and they want to be playing matches I know they had a friendly I think against Dunn I think last night to get this is a problem they've gone out of the cup competition pretty early they caught up with some of their league games as well they're not going to be playing when they when you win, you win. You want to keep playing and playing. So they haven't got a, a game for a week or so. But you get the game. They're not. Um, you know, they've made big decisions there. Uh, Hugo Langton leaving, playing that out alone. But maybe that's what Arthur has to do. And he's done a good job. Hugh Langton, and I'm sure, will get another job somewhere else. But uh, decisions have to be made. Well, and will they get in the playoffs at the moment? They've got a chance, but they've got to find the consistency they found in about October, not the consistency in December. So. Yeah, I think I think decisions will be made, but Mark Goldberg knows how to run a football club at this level, so it'll be interesting to see how they go from there. Certainly will. Um, right, so we'll move on now to our interview this week. Ashford United had a tricky start to the season. They changed managers right at the start, and, and the old manager, Danny Lyle, was one of the first interviews we actually had on the show back in the summer. And it looked like they were struggling. But boss Jason Whitmore has brought in coach Paul Barnes and a few new players, and now the nuts and bolts are unbeaten in five, the most recent of those being a victory over Chipstead on Saturday. I got up with Jason the day after that game. It's quite a long chat, so I'll split it into two. So here's the first part of our chat with Jason Whitmore. Ashford United then, you're one of the informed teams in the division, aren't you? 
Yeah, we are. We are. And it's what we set out to do, to be honest. When, when, when I went and got um, new background staff and, and got uh, Barnsley as, as my assistant, no, we, we, we had our, our vision, our ideas of what we wanted to do. Um, and then it was about, you know, getting the, the right, changing the environment of the club. And then from changing the environment, changing the environment of the players. Players that we had, you know, not we wanted players at the club that were not looking just to pick their money up, but look to go, uh, if they were taking a step back in their career where they've had a knock or something, a knock back, we wanted to push them further forward. So they come here with you know, a, a different kind of hunger, where they actually want to go further than Ashley United give us you know, a, a different kind of uh, environment as, as a club and, and as a team, which I think is what we've done. It's hard to see that now. Yeah, I think we, we've kind of spoken on the show before that this season's a little bit of yeah. a free hit for you almost because, you know, with only one team going down and, and Shoreham pretty much cut adrift, there, there's, yes. there's sort of an opportunity for Ashford to blood these players, get the squad you want and then really push on next year. That's exactly it. To be honest, that was... The transition had to happen, even if it wasn't with me, if it was with Danny Lye before uh, he, he left. You know, the, the team he had that won the schedule last last year was, was an aged team. So, like, the players were at the, the, the end of their career rather than, you know, at the start or in the middle. So, something had to be done, and this was the perfect time. So, when Danny left, it just, they, they asked me to come in um, and, and help. In, in, in this stage, it was have a look, see what we could do, what our thoughts were. They said, well, are you willing to take it on? I said, it's a big challenge. Because it's you know to to clear out a whole team and, and restart, you know it's going to take a, a few steps back before you go forward, and then getting the right personnel. You don't always get you know to start off with, and the players need to gel the environment. So it was a free hit, but the board, me, the club, we knew what we was doing. This is obviously the fans, and but now the fans that you know and they're being repaid. They're being repaid for their loyalty and. You had, the odd, you had the odd few people who are a little bit fickle in football, but we know that. Uh, but now they're coming around. The, the, the football is yeah, it's, it's, it's decent, to be fair. And we'll give anyone a game. I'm, I'm certain of, of, say, top six down. But, you know, I'm, I'm certain we'll, we'll match them. And almost 300 fans there yesterday. That kind of shows yes. the, the potential that there is at Ashford, isn't it? Well, you, the, the last time, you know, on the last game of last season, I think it was 800. So the, the fan base there is big. And, you know, you... you the Ashford fan base go to Mason, they go to um, uh, Folkestone. If we can start getting the team, um, you can't see the fan base come back. I already know, you know, you look at the fan zones and a lot of, uh, of the talk, and there was fans at the game on Saturday that hadn't been for a while, and they were very impressed with the standard of the, the, the team was at compared to where it was. So, yeah, it's, there's a great opportunity. The club's got facilities are fantastic. I mean, there's not many at this level with the facilities that Ashford have. So it's it's, a, it's being wasted at the moment. So it's, it's about us you know, realising that potential. Um, that's what the foundations have been done before. You know, before the teams come out, they were Barnsley being appointed, UA for A coach. There's not many in this league, I'm, I'm certain, if any, that are UA for A. So you, you, you're bringing in quality coaching, which then brings in the environment of bringing in quality players and the contacts, and you know it, it just it, it all stems from the foundation up. So what you build at the, at the bottom, then the players and the team and the philosophy will go with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. You seem to have a good mix of uh, youth and experience at the moment as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is which is my belief. You know, I come from a youth background, I, and I, I do believe that, that you, we, you need a mix. You know, and we want you want to you want to create a path from youth to, to the first team. So then you'll be able to attract the quality boys, you know, in this catchment area instead of them going off to 
you know, the, the, the other clubs because they're going to get better opportunities. So we want to create that pathway. And they want, want the boys to realise that, that they are being given opportunity and we will give them you know, encouragement. And, you know, Max Waters at the moment is, 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 is a real decent level. I mean, he's, he's going off to um, uh, a club on, I can't say which one, as, as they've been invited up there for a week, which is a great credit to him. Um, and, you know, only only training for a week just to see, just to see him and, and they're gonna, there's no offer on the table for him. But it just shows... Youth, coached, and if they listen and they want to, and they want to progress, then there's there's a there's a path for um, Ashford. That's for sure. I suppose the one thing you do want at the minute is an away win, though, don't you? Of course we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's coming. It, 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 to be fair, we we, we got short term goals and then we had a, a, a long term. A short term goal was certainly from the Christmas period. We knew that for me and Barnsley was going to be, you know, um, show where the pressure is. I mean, we've been working hard. In, on the training ground, so there's been a lot of comings and goings of players. Um, but even you know before I got there, and it's just that to get a settled squad, and we're settled squad with the quality and the work from behind the scenes, and we've been doing that, and that's got to translate on the pitch. So it nearly happened at Horsham um, when we played Horsham at home. But then, then you know, it's, it's the VCD was a turning point for the mentality of the boys for me, where we equalised in the 90s minute. Mean, if you go back to the games before. We, we, we two one down, you know, two goals in three minutes. Chances are we, we, we end up being four one down and, and lose the game. But the mentality has changed. They, the, the, the belief, some of the players have changed, but they had a belief togetherness. They worked hard. And 90th minute equaliser by Dallas, you know, that spied a real, in fact, win over a, a sitting ball. That, you know, it wasn't it wasn't lucky three one wins. I mean, if anything, it was done in the whole game. So then that got spied onto you know, the Sean game, which is, you know, Temple three 0 win, and it could have been seven. Um, yeah, and, and even to, to when we was at Faversham, the first thirty minutes we was outstanding, and you know it could have been two or three up. Then they get a goal against the other play. We then, you know, they come into the game more, and then we go come back into the game and get a, get um, uh, the equaliser, and then either team could have won it. It was it was a cracking game, and yes, is you know was another milestone for me. You know, can we keep five unbeaten um, games going in a row um, and, and then keep this mentality of not being beat? And, you know, 54 minutes we get a send off, which is really harsh for John Difford. You know, uh, and certainly we, we score with 10 men. We look better with 10 men. Uh, and, and, and it could have had a, a couple more. So it's been a, a real good, you know, a, a test and they've come through that really well. 11 out of 15 points. But then we got you know walking casuals on Saturday. That's going to be a good test for me. And I think for us, it will show me you know when you got the top six up, how far you know away are we? So when we look at our next season, like like you're saying now, which we are planning, we are looking to get our you know our ducks all lined up, so we know we've got our team ready. So from now to the end of the season, we're not looking behind us. We we, we know we're safe. So we you know the team we have, I'm very confident with the players I have and the belief of the players. So. Now it is about next season. Let you know where we are. We, we finished the season strongly, but we are looking at you know one away on next season. We, 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 you know, I'm not in, I'm not in here just to take part. We 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 want we we don't want to we want to compete and we want to you know you know I think for us got to be in them playoff places minimum. For us, that's what I want to be looking at, especially with the fan base. Interesting stuff there, Matt. I, I, I brought up the fact that we've discussed it being a free hit for them, and and he completely agreed, and he's already focusing on next season, but the stronger he can make that team now, 
the better they're going to be going forward, aren't they? And big talk from him to say, I expect to be in the playoffs next year. Uh, again, he, he's not one of the... No, his background is youth football, from what I can gather. He's not one of the Wizendale pros. You know, he's confident. He's eager to learn. So that's good to see from that point of view. Some of the players they've got, I'm hearing from Ashford, are, you know, are decent players. So there's no reason why not. If they don't get any further budget cuts, and they can work together. Do you say that they can get decent crowds down there if they're doing well? 300, I don't think it's too bad for that for that level of football. And, if they, and that's when they're near the bottom. If they can get some better results, move up the top of the table, there's no reason why they can't get five, 600 if they're doing well. So, yeah, I like I like the cut of his jib. He's confident. Um, you know, again, I, and I think he, you know, he was interested in the previous regime he mentioned there, and maybe it is a free hit for them this season. We know they're not going to go down. Again, but I, I like the way he was talking. He was a confident man, and I like the way how he uses the youth facilities as well. He knows from youth football how he can move on. So, yeah, they've got a man who's eager to learn, and that's all I could ask for, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it was always going to be a, a little bit tricky for them, I suppose, coming up. You know, they haven't been at this level for, for quite a few years and, you know, they, they came in and it was a nightmare start for them. I mean, they lost their first two games quite heavily. Danny Lai left and everything looked pretty bleak. I remember us talking about it at the start of the season saying, no, this is this is really bad. But then the, the, the fact that Shoreham are even worse than they were when they were being really bad has, has sort of paved the way for them. And if they're getting these players in and there seems to be... You know, we follow a lot of their players on social media and there seems to be a real sort of togetherness there and, and they've obviously got a good fan base, good people at the club and it's it seems to me that they are moving in the right direction and in Jason Whitmore, they've got a man who's very passionate about helping Ashford United. Yeah, I, I, said, I like the passion from that point of view. He's eager to learn. Maybe if Ashford didn't go down the route they're going, he would not be somebody who would have been looking to get this job, they may have gone to managers who managed at this level before, but they've given him the reins, probably because of his passion and what he's done in the youth system as well there. So, yeah, there's no reason why it can't work out for them. Again, they've gone down the 3G route, which we'll discuss in a minute as well, Ashford. And again, they're on the up as well. Decent form, and that's all you can ask for, because at one stage it we were a little bit concerned that they, they would be uh, struggling a bit closer to Shoreham, but all they can do now is learn from this season and, and move on from that point of view. And you know, there's no reason with a game in hand. They, they can overtake the likes of Ramsgate and Famishman if they keep up this good run. Exactly. Well, you talk about them. We'll quickly rattle through the rest of the Bostics League South results. Sit Mon got back to winning ways and cheating up with a 4 0 win over Guernsey. And Dan Parkinson played for the first time in 15 months, I think. So he was quite uh, quite pleased, I saw on social media. Um, on Sunday, Cray were pegged back late on by Walton Casuals. On Saturday, Hyde beat Scrinton 3 2 and Phoenix thrashed Guernsey 5 0. But there wasn't much else to shout about. Um, Shoreham got their first point on the road all season in a 3-3 draw at Ramsgate. Thamesmead lost 3-2 at home to Whiteleaf. Uh, VCD lost at Horsham by the same score. Favisham went down 3-0 at Leaders Lewis. Um, they were beaten 4-1 at home by Corinthian Casuals. And Sittingbourne lost 3-zip at Carl Shorten. So that wasn't a particularly great uh, lot of fixes either. But anyway, we often talk about the strength of the Southern Counties East League, which we'll move on to shortly. And I felt there was no better person to ask about that than Jason Whitmore. He knows about the difference between the Southern Counties East League and the Bostic League. So you're going to hear him talk about that before going on to talk about 3G pitches and the youth system at Ashford United. I personally believe it's huge. So I watched the, uh, the Scaffold League. Uh, for me, it's, it's, the, it's the, the fitness uh, and the, 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 the type of player. So in the Scaffold, you've got what I call uh, a lot of players that have been around in the league for a long time. You know, the, the, the commitment, the desire to go further ain't, ain't really there. 
they're quite happy to pick it, you know, to, to nick a buck or two, do you know what I mean, and, and enjoy football. But, you know, aspirations go much further. You've got a few gems down there, but not that many. So, you know, what you've got at the moment, you've got the Crobras, um, Seven Oaks. Uh, there's not many teams in that scaffold that, 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 for me, would come into this into the, the Bostic and really compete, not as they are right now. So mm. that's, yeah, there's, there's a gulf there for me. And yeah, and that's why it is a, a division higher. Uh, and, it, and it's shown, I think, it, even the club maybe got caught out a little to see how far the gap was because it is about the physicality, the fitness, and, and men, the players know their jobs. Players come down now, you've got people in the conference playing uh, in, in this division. So you, the, 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 the sort of like, where they're just coming filtering down from, we have the Premier League, where the standard of foreign import players is pushing our talent further down. Which, I mean, our talent in non-league is going up, I think the standard's gone up a lot. Yeah, and we have quite a bit of debate about 3G pitches. I know yours has had its problems, but how important yep. is it for a club like Ashford to have a 3G pitch? Of course, uh, you know, it, it, it's um, commercially viable. You can get the youth on there. And, and, and we, we know there's, there's debates. There'll always be a debate about, you know, whether you should or shouldn't, but uh, uh, in non-league level, you should. Because you need to generate revenue. You know, at the end of the day, even to have a first team, there's costs. Every has a cost. You know, you've got to be viable. Otherwise, you can end up, you know, losing your ground or, or you, you know, and you know, non-league clubs don't make money. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's not this great thing about you make money being owning a non-league club. It's more about someone's passion uh, and you've got to try and make it a, a viable entity and, and, and whether or not you can, you know, get the youth, you can use utilise a pitch, revenue stream can come back in and then if you've got a fan base, you can, you can, you can do it. And I think Maystone is a, is a, is a real good example. Mm. Uh, if anyone has a business model, you know, I always say to Ashley when we were at the board, you know, you know, we want to emulate, and it's, it's got to be um, Mason. And just finally, you, you said to me earlier on, you were out managing the under-16, so you're obviously a real yes. club man, but is the future bright for Ashford United? Yeah, you, you know, I've been a, a big part of the youth. I brought, I brought the youth together. Um, they were separated three years ago. Uh, so they, they was, even though they were under the same badge, they were not run by the, by the, by the main club. They, they were separate, and, and I just... Felt you know, at the time I was on another under 16 team and they was winning the division, they won the division, they was in the cup final. And, and I was like, you know, there's no path, we need to, we need to change this. So bringing the club and putting together as one was probably, I think, the best achievement I've done so far. And then you got some good, good youth teams in there. So you know, you've got, you got, you got all youth teams in there. So you've got, I think, in the elite, in the Kent leagues, you've got the under under 15s, under 14s. Really under 16, I think we're second at the moment uh, with two games in hand. So, you know, they're, they're, a, good, they're a good team as well. Got some good players there. So, the, the, the future is bright. And it's about keeping that, you know, going. And not just that. How are we going to make that work? So, you know, like, you know, like having an academy. Having a structure from the under 16s upwards. I mean, I was being barred going to talk about Saturday. You know, we want your under 16s all the way up to first team should be playing the same way. So same formation, same same ethos. Managers, coaches should be using exactly the same. So when the boys start to have the transition, once they're good enough, can walk straight in. So they're going from 16s to 18s to 23s, and then you know, or even 18s to the first thing. Because you know, a couple of boys have done that, uh, and it is about having that. 
that, that, that right mentality. It was really interesting that, that you said there's a, there's a big gap because we look at it and we say that the Southern Counties EC is one of the strongest leagues at that level and he's saying, no, I think there's a big gap because of the level of player that you get. Very interesting to hear that. It was, I think that's the most important thing come out of that interview. I, you know, I, I thought there wouldn't be too much of a gap between it, but clearly he's seen that from, from that point of view. And maybe you do get your people who are quite happy to play at the scaffold level who don't want to go up to the, the next level and they're in the comfort zone. Maybe that's something that the Kent League needs to look into if they want to improve it from that point of view, how they can work it from that. But there's a lot of players, you don't, not that I'm aware of, you don't see many people from the Scaffold League to go higher up, do you? Maybe into the, the Bostick South players were there, but I haven't seen anybody go up high levels from that point of view. So maybe he's got, uh, got it spot on from that point of view. So And maybe that's why he's working up with the youth system, how to... Um, work that through, get players up, they know how they work and then they'll, it'll be easier to transgress into the Boston South and a bit like Ashford are following the Ajax system from that point of view from the GTB there, wasn't it? Another European giant I've talked into the uh, the uh, prod this, uh, this evening because, you know, that's what they used to do. Everybody knows what... I think in certain levels it's very difficult to get everybody playing the same football in the same formation from that level. But if Ashford are going to do it, fair play to them. It didn't do Ajax much harm, did it? No, it didn't. I, I can't. I must admit, I really wasn't expecting that reference. But there you go. Um, while we're talking about the scaffold and promotion, actually, it's going to be a complicated affair as well down there. So the winners will go up. We know that. But here we go. Then there's 14 leagues at step five and 26 promotion places. So the 14 winners will go up. That leaves 12 places. The 14 runners-up will then go into one of these beloved points-per-game calculation tables and the best 12 will go up. Um, so it's going to be calculators all over the place. And, and the funny thing is, is if Seven Oaks pull clear, as, as, as they may well do, you know, they've they're still got games in hand, whoever's second won't be worrying about Seven Oaks. They'll be worrying about what's going on in the Northern Counties West League and trying to get in front of those teams. It's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Well, you lost me on a certain level of gold, haven't you? Oh, God. That will be. If it's social media, you might know how these sides are working them out. So, so we can only get two up from, you know, from our league, from Scaffold, can't we? We can, yeah. So, even if, if it was the tightest league ever, from that point of view, you could only get two up. So, right. So, at the moment, well, it, it's crazy. I, I love they have these, if I have these wonderful ideas of pushing new leagues in to make it a little bit easier. But nobody seems to think about the work for how it works to get into this, and that's just absolutely crazy from the goal average. That point of view. Is it goal average or points per game? Points, points per, per game, game is what it is. And and when I checked it uh, two weeks ago, um, Crowborough, who were second at the time, were 13th out of the 14. So it would only have been one team up from the scaffold if the league had finished it at New Year. So it's it's absolutely mad. So, I mean, there is the brilliant um, football site that was done by Tony Kempster. I think we've mentioned it before. Um, and there is someone on there who updates... Um, all these points per games and does a, a, a table saying who will be where. So I'm kind of going to be focusing on that at, at various points during the rest of the season just to see what the state of play is there. Because, you know, a lot of people probably will assume that it's going to be Seven Oaks and Crowborough, but Beckenham are still up there in the mix, even though they've played more games. And, you know, it's 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 very interesting. I mean, on Saturday, looking back at the scaffolds, leader Seven Oaks were held to a nil-nil draw by Tunbridge Wells. Uh, Beckenham actually moved level on points with them after a 3-1 win over Rustall. Although Seven Oaks do have three games in hand. Uh, Crowborough, obviously, not a Kent team, but they went out of the Vars on Saturday. So no scaffold team left there. 
Um, looking at the rest of the schedule this weekend, then Oaks play at home to Canterbury. Beckenham go to Rochester. But one of the standout games is the Chatham Derby between Lordswood and, and well, Chatham. Matt, do you want to guess how they're marketing that one? Oh, uh, what's the uh, thing at Chatham? They, the people were Chatham were called something, weren't they, years ago? Um, you are so on the on the right lines. It is um, El Chavico. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, that's it. So, El, say that again. El El Chavico, because obviously Chavico, they were chavs, weren't they? From chavs. yeah, well, yeah. Well, what a, a game uh, of my advancing years. I don't really know many chavs these days. So uh, <laughs> just to see El Chavico. Well, that's a good idea, isn't it? Really, to be honest. So um, from that point of view, well. It'd be, it's, that's probably much better than that. Uh, what a game that will be then. Who's going to win the El Chavico Derby? Well, I'll have to think of some more Kent sides. Can think of the derbies there. We could call them. But maybe from that. El Chavico, very good, very good. Yeah, very good. And obviously Chatham. Um... I don't know if you've seen, but they brought in Gary Alexander, the former Millwall striker who was manager at Greenwich Borough. He resigned from Greenwich Borough a couple of weeks ago and the Chatham manager was straight on the phone and Gary Alexander's now playing up front for them. And, and that's another interesting thing, going back to what Jason Whitmore said earlier. You do get players like Jamie Day, Kevin Lisby, and now Gary Alexander who've dropped into that level and just playing for fun, aren't they? Well, Gary Alexander, he was a good player for Millwall, like Norwich, again, at Greenwich Borough, one of these clubs that you know talks about going high level with the budgets being cut. He's got a looking for his next um, managerial range, which I'm sure he probably gets me in the Bostick League. But coming out, putting his boots on, I'm sure he still does a job on that one again. Yeah. We'll move on now to the Bostick Premier League, where um, Jordan Chidozzi's got a hat trick for Margate on Tuesday as they beat Needham Market three one, having drawn one one at Billericay on Saturday. Folkestone went down to Dulwich Hamlet four three on Saturday, and then held two two at home by Thurrock on Tuesday. And Tom Angels had two 0 after twelve minutes in their game with Lowestoft on Saturday, but they were pegged back. Um, Margate, we we talked quite a bit about them last week, and we said they were in a bit of a rut on the pitch, but they'll be very pleased with four points in those two games, won't they? Yeah, Chidozzi's been looked at and played for Dartford, scoring goals, sixteen goals this season, so a nice hat trick for him. Yeah, Margate, they've got five home games on the spin now, so they're up to eighth in the division, games in hand, and a couple of sides have bumped them, so. I'm not saying they're going to win all five games, but they've got a Dulwich game on Saturday, which is a big game, um, top of the table coming from that point of view. But, yeah, again, chance to put down some consistency now, Margaret. That difficult run they've had. Brought in another goalkeeper, I see, Sam Sargent, who I saw for late going against Dover in November. Uh, he came in for that game and he looked a decent goalkeeper. That's quite a good sign, I think, for Margate. That was the problem they were having. But, yeah, five home games on the spin, a real chance to um, see them move up the table. And fingers crossed for Steve Watt, which has been a difficult start of the year for them that they can uh, do that. Yeah, it's interesting. I've obviously read a few reports on social media as well that the, the new keeper looks like a, a really good signing and, you know, they have obviously had their problems. I know, obviously, Lenny Pidgey is away for personal reasons. They're hoping he'll be back soon. And their injury list as well, Margate, is mammoth. I, I understand that uh, Chris Sessegnon, the fullback, has got got to go under the knife who's going to be out for quite some time. You know, they, they, they've been li- literally just posting on their website injury updates and it's just a long list of names. So Margate will hope that they've now weathered the storm. And as you say, they've got Dulwich on Saturday, then they've got Leatherhead who they who knocked them out of the FA Cup at home on Tuesday night. If they can pick up another six points there, not that that's going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but then Margate, will be, all of their problems they had over Christmas will be completely forgotten and they'll be looking up for a bright 2018. Should be a good game against Leather next week. Leather had a bit of a, on a run since they've got out of the FA Cup. I think they fancy themselves to get in the playoffs. So yeah, it's a it's a good test for the next two games. Dulwich, of course, 
you think maybe there's still five points clear with Billericke do have games in hand at Leatherhead as well sides that expect to be up there they spend a bit of mere cup money so I think these two games are a good marker for where Margate are and I think so far at home this season 1-5 drawn 4 lost 3 again two wins in that would make really look their home form because they get used to the 3G and also put down a marker against the other sides in the division that Margate could be a definite outsider for the playoffs yeah um Tom James was also playing Leatherhead this week, this week away on Saturday, and then they go to Enfield on Tuesday night. And folks have got Saturday off. I assume their uh, their opponents are still in the FA Trophy, um, and then they've got a mammoth Tuesday night trip to Lowestoft, which which isn't ideal, especially when you've had a couple of disappointing results for folks. And you, you know they've done brilliantly so far this season. Now they've just got to push on, haven't they? Yeah, can, they found that consistency. Then they've lost it. They, uh, that game, a cracking game against uh, Dulwich on Saturday, that really showed. That, what they can do from that point of view. Is that one of the things about the fixtures? The problem is in the boss that you have to play your uh, games within six weeks, I think it is, of when they're postponed. And sometimes Margate going to, sorry, Folkestone going to Lowestoft on a Tuesday night in January is probably not the greatest place to go. You think the league would have some common sense again, let's play it when it, the pitches are going to be a little bit better and it's not going to be so such a long trek, maybe when it's a little bit lighter as well. That's another dig at how these leagues work from that point of view. But yeah, Folkestone, weekend, weekend off, I'm sure. Neil Cugley will get them in training from that. But again, he's still third in the division, so keep it going as they are. Just sure if they, with the main games they've got left in this division, 19 to go. If they can pick up maybe 30 points from that, those divisions, they're gonna, that should be enough for the for the playoffs for them. Yeah, and I haven't forgotten wins, about... wins probably from their remaining 19 games. If they can do that, they should get into the playoffs. Well, let's hope so. I mean, that'd be a, a fantastic story for, for, for folks. And um, haven't forgotten about the Bostick South fixtures either. Um, Faversham at home to Molesey, Sittingbourne host Hastings, VCD at home to Carl Shorten. The others are all away. High at Corinthian Casuals, Ramsgate East Grinstead, Herne Bay go to Greenwich, Cray go to Guernsey, Phoenix are at Shoreham, Thamesmead head to South Park, and as you already heard, um, Ashford are at Walton Casuals. And South Park is also the venue for our only game on Tuesday, uh, where Herne Bay are the visitors to Rygate. Well, we, we, we actually crammed quite a bit in there, Matt. I was up till one o'clock in the morning writing the script for this one. I think it was just about worth it, don't you? Yeah, I think it was. We had some good stuff from Jason on there and the big Kent Derby as well. So, yeah, yes, hopefully, as I mentioned earlier, we don't look at this doom and gloom that we're not going to Wembley with uh, one of our side. But it's a, it's a big few days, I think, particularly Mason and Dover on Saturday. Real banana skins that, that could really... Let's not even think about those ones. I assume you're, you're at Dover on Saturday? Yeah, I'm Dover on Saturday. Will we have a new striker in before the weekend? That'll be the interesting thing. Um, uh, from that, yeah, interesting to see how it goes from there for David's point of view. It, 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 it's a, if, if they win, everybody's expecting them. If they lose, it's a real kick in the teeth. But let's get back on the horse. I'm sure Chris Kinnear's worked them hard in training and we go from there. And, and Jay Saunders as well. But Maidstone, you know, with the home form being so bad, but not bad, just disappointing. It's probably bad is the wrong word for that. But against Haybridge, you've got nothing to lose as well. I really think it's a couple of banana skins for our boys. Well, indeed. And just finally, as I'd like to give out the odd dedication, I should mention that my very good friend Andy Walker and his wife Danny welcome their second child on Tuesday morning. And I'm sure in years to come that young Darlington-born Lucy Martha Walker will treasure her mention, aged one day on the Kent Non-League Football Podcast. Um, anyone you want to mention, Matt, while we're here, I'm in a charitable... Well, the, the, Darlington fan. 
Well, there could be. Her dad's a Sunderland fan, though, so um, I, I think. Well, exactly. I, I think um, that Noah, that their son, has already been sort of warned off following the red and white striped path. So uh, we we shall see what, what what way they end up going. But I think that would probably be sensible to to look at Darlington because they're a club on the up as opposed to Sunderland, who are uh, certainly not on the up. But any anyone you want to dent- give a shout out to, Matt, as we're here? Um, no, just anybody who knows me really. Thanks for everything. Uh that point of view no no nothing no just uh hope everybody's well enjoying the new year i got to, i started this podcast off saying january's the most depressing month let's boost everybody up because it's the summer will soon be here won't it yeah well the sun's out right now anyway so that's all good anyway thank you very much for listening everyone as always feel free to get in touch with us on social media uh, on twitter at kent nl podcast on facebook at kent non-league and if you want to email us it's john phipps 81 at outlook.com um I say thanks very much for listening. Thanks to Jason Whitmore for chatting to us as well on, on a Sunday night. I think he missed up on the chance to watch Dancer and asked to chat to me instead, which was awfully decent to me. I bet you don't watch that, do you, Matt? No. No, of course not. No, 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 no. 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 I didn't think you would. Anyway, that's, no, that is no, it no. for this week. I'll leave, uh, Matt will go off and watch some Dancing on Ice videos on YouTube. And we, <laughs> we shall now say goodbye. And we shall speak to you all next week when hopefully we've still got some teams going strong in the FA Trophy. Thanks for listening.